0: Welcome to episode 20. T nine of the false neutral podcast, or is this thirty? Well, that would be a false neutral. We don't know where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're recording this Thursday, September eighth. This is thirty. Jeep Jeff was twenty nine. This one is thirty. So, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining me, guys.
1: Howdy. Good to be here once again.
0: Old business, new business. Anything? Anything going on in your life that you want to bring up and talk about?
1: yeah so the y s r fifty that I don't know which one of you posted on uh um, was that was, that was made, facebook
2: yeah it was on the uh, it was on our yeah. page it was it from bring a trailer
1: yeah, so it sold for thirty two fifty so if anybody guessed that they were right
2: which is just absurd that's an absurd well, amount for YSR50. it
1: depends on how you look at it so like there's a motorcycle dealer, a big dealer here locally uh, Bob Lampier's, and it is heart Motorcycle dealership part museum, right? And so all along the wall around the building, there's a shelf and there's just beautiful, really, really, really nice examples of motorcycles all around it. And so I imagine somebody like that that wanted a perfect YSR 50 and it didn't really matter what the price was because it's probably just going to be in a collection. If somebody bought this to ride or to use at all, then yeah, thirty-two fifties is just outrageous. But if you had to have one for your collection to make it complete, say you have a Yamaha dealership, yeah. I don't know, I, I you're don't, never going to find another one.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true. And I, I guess I just don't understand the attraction of the really tiny toy
1: bikes. <sighs> Zero. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> like, and but the thing is, in college, they were the hot item to have. Yeah. When I was in college, like if you were into bikes. You had to have one of those things. They were just they were the they were the business.
1: And I didn't get it then either.
2: Well for plumbing around a college campus though, they're perfect.
1: Yeah, and I know back in the day, and it still might be for some states that because it's a fifty, you could ride it without an endorsement. So it's
2: basically a scooter, so
1: Yeah. But I 3250, boy, (laughs) that's a lot of money for essentially a scooter. But again, 113 miles on it, 1987. And I mean, it looks like it's only got a hundred and looks it's beautiful out it's of the perfect. box. No, yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, if you're wondering that sold for 3250 and, uh, in other news, the saga continues for my <laughs> TX 750, oh. <laughs> please tell Never us. Ending with that. for like the umpteenth time last week, I was talking about replacing some of the jetting cause it wasn't right. At any rate, so I decided to take off the side cover underneath the side cover where the starter clutch and everything is found and discovered a few things. First of all, the starter clutch was fractured in it, which luckily I found before it disintegrated. There's a just a crack in it, but it never really worked very well anyways. Some of these early Yamaha seventy starter clutches only had three engagement pucks versus nowadays they have like 20, right? So it wanted to slip and just didn't really work very well. And I just happened to be looking through our stock room and found a starter clutch for what? I don't even know. It was in a bag and it has a part number on it, but I was too lazy to even Google the part number. Um, <laughs> but I think it's for like maybe a Raptor quad a 660 or something of that nature. But it just so happened that the inside diameter where it engages was the same as my uh starter sprocket. Very so, Yamaha. Yes. Oh well, yeah. Yamaha has been amazing over the decades about reusing designs. For instance, little tidbit: um, my Yamaha TX750 uses the same clutch as an R1, um, and and stuff like that is not uncommon in Yamaha. Yeah, but and, and Yamaha right?
0: probably the most eager to raid the parts bin and yes. reuse existing parts.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, like so, you could, you could, like just sorry, and then like, uh yeah. like you can literally slap an R six front end onto an RZ three fifty. I mean, like yeah. it's like it, it's almost a direct swap in. It's yep. just crazy. So, anyways, yep. go. On.
1: Um, so I took the old starter clutch off of my flywheel and made an aluminum tool that centered the new starter clutch onto the flywheel, machined it all up. So now I have a new modern starter clutch on. A flywheel, which I thought was for a TX750, my flywheel. Turns out it is not. I was looking at the timing, and when it was indicated to be at top dead center, it was actually at bottom dead center. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, well, well that's weird. And, and so I was thinking, like, maybe I have something screwed up, but I couldn't possibly because a flywheel is keyed and it only cares about where the crankshaft is. So you, it's not like you could have the crank the camshaft timing off and it not line up it only cares about the position of the crankshaft because it's a keyed flywheel it can only be on one way so i got to looking and the flywheel that i have is almost identical to a tx 750 flywheel except for a few very very small differences but i found out through google forensics of pictures that i actually have an xs 400 flywheel Which is almost (laughs) the same as a TX750, except that the timing marks are 180 degrees opposite. So now, instead of buying a flywheel, I'm going to just transfer the marks with a degree wheel. I was going to say, I I mean, marks where they're supposed to be on mine. uh, 180 degrees is
0: is real easy to to transfer. I mean, if it was like 72 degrees off, that would be a little bit more difficult.
1: Right. And because there is a bottom dead center marking on the flywheel, that is now my top dead center. The only problem is, is there's no um, indicator marks for the advance, the total 37 degree mm-hmm. advance marks or where right. it's actually supposed to fire when you're setting up your point. So, um, I mean, it's <laughs> super I don't even really need to transfer the marks. I mean, I know approximately where it needs to be, but I'll transfer the marks just for ease in the future. But yeah, so. It's still being worked on. and Well, that might probably...
0: explain why it wasn't running quite like you. Would. Yeah. I mean, I can see right. that causing detonation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it it was off only by a couple degrees. But nevertheless, a couple still. degrees make a big difference, especially yeah. when it's 95 huh. degrees outside like it was when I went on my ride. Mm-hmm. And if it's a little too lean like I it was because it had two sizes, smaller main jets and it was slightly more advanced it all just kind of compounded to some detonation problems so at any rate i am resolving that as we speak so
0: well kudos for not giving up and going ah, I'm just going to trash it i mean you're you're yeah machining a spacer to line them up and put the modern style starter clutch in there that's that's impressive i mean that that's yeah. doing it the right way <laughs> yeah.
1: I so and then uh in other news, I went back up to my family has a cabin up in the mountains. And so last time I rode my 750 up there and it made it there, but not back. This time I rode my Supermoto there, which was the most uncomfortable experience <laughs> I've ever had on a motorcycle. I mean, the seat is four inches wide. So 30 minutes into a, a ride, you're basically wearing your motorcycle inside you. I mean, like, there isn't enough room for your butt. So it's got to go somewhere. Wearing it inside. (laughs) results in a motorcycle wedgie, if you will. But at any rate, it made it there. And I didn't even crash this time. So that's good. I resolved the whole rear wheel axle bearing problem that I had before. And so while I was at the mountain, I ran into a couple of guys and one was on a Yamaha super Tenure, which I have never seen in person before. And to be honest, I didn't even know they had them here. I thought that was a European only bike, but apparently not because
2: they was... uh, they started. They brought them back last for last model year. So for the 15 model year, I think they brought yeah. them back.
1: Finally. Yeah. So there is that. And then um, another guy was on a CB500X, but uh, they rack up some miles on these bikes they had on the back of their luggage racks. You know various states like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, and and everywhere else. So they tour them all around. But pretty cool bikes, very very well set up for long distance adventure riding. So uh, that was pretty cool. But my supermoto made it there and back, so I was happy about that. Cool. So at any rate, I
2: had uh, I I didn't get to work on the XS four hundred over Labor Day because I actually got my Mustang running, and it was okay. one of those things that were running properly. So it was one of those things of. There was a problem with the ignition where – I won't go to it, but basically there's a in, – in, in some of the Ford stuff, to to set the base timing, you pull out a basically a resistor, and yeah. then it, it won't let the computer advance the timing. And when you plug it back in, then it allows it to advance the timing. So
1: That's how my Toyota is, too.
2: Yeah, so when you plug the resistor in, it wouldn't run. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't run. And so I've been chasing this thing for like four months and at one point, I said, oh, it's got to be the distributor. And i were like, well, no, because if it's going to run one way, it won't. Yeah, so I, I decided, bit the bullet, paid 100 bucks, threw a distributor in it, bang, fires right up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. four yeah. months later. But so anyways, I was monkeying with that and then the cooling system, fi- fixing a couple things in the cooling system, which now it runs great. So anyways, that took all my Labor Day t- time during Labor Day weekend to – uh to uh, not work on the XS400. So that's that. Yeah. And well, then, now it's
1: going to be winter, and yeah. you'll have plenty of time to work on your XS400. And...
2: Which literally is I like need to make sure that the points are right, and then it's good. But uh, And then um, the local Ducati dealer is, and I'm not kidding, half a mile up the street. <laughs> like, I yeah. can walk to it. And their, yeah. their used showroom is, like, on the other side of the street, like a quarter mile up the road.
1: And, is the uh, used showroom also the the shop where everything's being worked on?
2: No, the, the used showroom is literally like a corner, what was like a corner, like a 400-square-foot corner shop from yeah. back in the day. And they have like 10 motorcycles in there, and that's their used shop. But in there is a um, MV Agusta F4, a yeah. 1,000cc super bike. And you walk by it, and you go, oh, that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> my wife and I were walking up to uh, the pancake house for, for brunch on Labor Day, and uh, she's like, keep walking.
1: Keep walking. Yeah. I've always oh. been very fond of the MV Agusta Fours. They are such a timeless looking motorcycle. They are so beautiful, and I feel like in twenty years they will still look just as beautiful.
2: So then I got a the, the the reason I even bring it up is um there uh, the the Ducati store is a authorized Dionisi air the air the air system uh, mm-hmm. for the leathers. So they're doing a, a special, Their are Dionysi's doing a, a tour and they're going to be there at the end of October. Um, Ducati Detroit, it's on Woodward Avenue in Birmingham, in case anyone local to me is in the, or in the area interested. I think it's end of, end of October, but they're going to be doing custom fitting there. So whether you have something and you want it tailored or you want something cut to measure to order, they're going to do it there at the store. So I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Whether, whether, and not just racing stuff. They're, they're, they're doing, um, There's, like, regular touring and adventure stuff, too, so.
0: Yeah. Wow, that would be awesome. Because, you know, I need a new set of leathers. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking thinking a black and red.
1: (laughs) Maybe some white zippers on it. You also need a little, like, a YSR50 to go with that, too, with those new leathers.
0: (laughs) Speaking of the MV Agustas, I have a secret love affair with the 675 Brutal.
2: Oh, God, yes.
0: Uh, Especially the white with the gold kind of a, uh, copper colored accents and a brown seat. That color combination. I would, I would never buy one because I, I dealer support and reliability and stuff. I mean, I've heard everything all over the board from you can, you can drive them. The engines are bulletproof. You can drive them a hundred thousand miles to yeah, you're going to have electrical problems the first week you own it. So I, I don't know what the real reality is, but if I had the money, I would really. <sighs> yeah, sorry. Go ahead, and finish that, and then I'll. Yeah,
1: you reminded me of something. I, no, I, I love was, the color scheme.
0: My my heart was just hurting. I couldn't speak there for a minute. Just you know.
2: <laughs> so so the the reason that it reminded me of because you said dealer support and and I got to think yeah because MV MV Agusta's in and out of bankruptcy every few years too. AF one I got the the flyer off from AF one Aprilio in in um, Austin Texas and uh, they have two. 2014, EBR 1190s.
1: Yeah,
2: which the sport bike one you, for which yeah,
1: I was whichever gonna ask one, Do you know is it the SX or the the
2: RX? I think I think they were the RX. Oh, okay. Um, and they showed like the original sticker price was like eighteen thousand on them. Right. They have them for sale for ninety nine ninety nine. Really, <laughs> it's like that's like GTFO, man. They're taking up space. GTFO. Yeah.
1: that's
2: that, GTFO pricing, and it's was, like yeah, at that price, it's like eh. But then you're like,
1: mm. you can almost take a take a. It's a Rotex motor, so I'm not too concerned about that. But uh, yeah. I was just recently like daydreaming again about the whole um, Super Duke R. And the new FC10, and thinking about how I would love to have one of those bikes, and then I was imagining, well, you know, maybe those Buells could be had pretty cheap, and so I think I went onto eBay just to see if there were any for sale, and there were, but they still wanted like just slightly less than MSRP on it. So I think that I found a couple, and one was like fourteen nine or something like that, and I was thinking that's just just way too much money for one of those. But I,
0: I know a local dealer here in Kansas city that has one of the, what is it? The SX, the, the naked model that I am sure you could offer just about anything (laughs) and take that home.
1: Yeah. It's tempting. I mean, I want to like Buell and I want to like those motorcycles, but Oh boy. It just, I would have to get one really, really, really cheap in order for it to be worth it.
0: I've seen several uh, new, zero miles on CycleTrader for between 10 and 11. I think realistically, if you had $10,000 bills that you were going to put on the barrel head, uh, any dealer would be an idiot to let you walk out the door. Right.
1: Yeah. I do think it's a lot of bike for the money. And, you know, considering the engine is not, you know, it might be a new design, but I want to say that it's Probably, it's got to be the same engine, approximately, that KTM has used with their 1190, like the RC8. Um, I think both are Rotex designs, but I'm not sure.
2: I think the KTM is unique to them, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I I don't think they... It's a
2: different angle. I think KTMs are 72? Yeah. And the Rotexes and the Buells are 60s? I want to say, or maybe I've got that, maybe I've got that backwards. Um yes. Sorry, without pulling up on Google off the
0: top of my
1: camera. Well, nevertheless, it's... I'm,
0: I'm, I'm going to change the subject here. <laughs> Speaking of 72 degree V-Twins, in Austin, Texas, on Craigslist right now, and it's been out there for a while, but it's tickling my thoughts more and more. There's a, <laughs> a, a Moto Marini 501 caliber, which was their first cruiser, and it is to Marini's what the Indiana is to Ducati's. Um, just just consider the least desirable one you could possibly get. Now, they made a, a later cruiser called the New York, which was actually it had drag bars on it and a more sleek tank and actually was a pretty cool looking bike. New York's are actually fairly desirable. This thing, if you took a Ducati, Indiana and replaced the ducati motor with an inferior mill that's what you have uh it it was according to the the craigslist ad was uh, a dealership you know the owner's personal bike it's got 11000 miles on it for 2 grand and i'm just so tempted if it, of course i went to my wife and i was like hey look and she's like no wow that's that, a, it's a cruiser that's going to have all the deficiencies of cruisers of that area of being really cramped and uncomfortable. B, it's 650 miles away. And C, where are you going to get parts for it? You didn't buy a CX-650 Custom because you couldn't get parts for it. And you want to go buy a Moto Marini. And the one Moto <laughs> Marini that isn't even popular enough that anyone would have any of the chassis parts for it. I was like... Oh, you and your logical adult thinking. <laughs> Where's the
1: fun in logic?
0: Yeah. A- and speaking of things that are currently for sale, I-, I sent you guys a text message a while back and showed you the guy on Hemmings that has a Spectre 750 <laughs> for <Yeah>. seven grand. <laughs> it's, now you- It looks really nice, and it's got 2,200 miles on it. So, you know... If you are one of the few people in the world that really wants to add a Spectre to your collection, you know I'm sure Barber's going to be calling this guy any day now, because they probably don't have a black and gold Kawasaki to add to their collection. But seven bills for a Spectre. I was like, wow, you, you... I, I I sent
2: Peter. a response was just just a picture and it was uh Tony Montana with this you know just coming out of his face buried in the mountain of Coke at the end of Scarface, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's that's kinda where this guy's at. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What is it, nice price or crack pipe? Yeah, it's all nice. don't get high on your own supply and then some.
1: I still think that the Spectre for seven grand or the Motor Marini for two grand is a much better value than uh, the Confederate G2. I didn't even know that these bikes existed, and I'm not even sure how I came across it. But um, if you think that the fc 10 is hideous, uh, take a look at the Confederate G2 P51 motorcycle. There is one on eBay right now. It's got one bid, five days left, $125,000 for it. <laughs> Well so. what is
0: what does Canu Reeves want f- for his which is actually his his bike is actually a cool bike. I don't like the Confederates at all. I think yeah. they just they look like somebody built them out of an erector set. Yeah. Canoe Reeves bikes are actually a kind of a cool looking chopper esque sort of sporty looking thing. And I think he wants like like over a hundred grand for his bikes. But Oh is that right?
1: Well you buy in the Keanu Reeves I name I in that, too? I don't know. Let me verify that, because I, I may be
0: totally wrong. It, it might be half that. It could it might be only 50 grand. I don't know. But it, whatever it was, it was like a ridiculous amount of money. As I said to Brad from Camden Tub in a text today, I said, any vehicle that costs more than what I could get a nice, cozy lake cabin for is just yeah. a meaningless string of zeros to me, because... It's like, yeah. Once once you get over, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, I don't care. You can tell me it's millions. You can tell me it's hundreds of thousands. It doesn't make any difference because it's just unreal dollar value to me. Yep. Eighty thousand. Well, eighty thousand. Okay, so it was it was somewhere in the range that I was guessing. So yeah. On
2: on the other end of the front, and even though we don't really talk too much about racing here. Uh, from an attractive standpoint, the new Indian dirt tracker that's coming out, the FTR 750. Yeah. Now, they styled that one right.
0: Oh, God, uh, yes. It's our, and it's sex. actually a functional motorcycle. That's really <laughs> impressive to me is it's not just some kind of, you know, rolling art project that no one's going to ride. This is something they actually want to compete in actual AMA competition with. It's like, wow, that's cool. And the new Harley tracker. Based on mm-hmm. the, on the street, 750, just looks like the nerdy kid you made fun of in science class. I mean, it may work well, but boy, compared to the outgoing classic Harley dirt tracker look, it's like, r- really?
1: If it, Indian wanted to jump on the retro styled bandwagon and do their shareholders a favor, uh, I get that they aren't going to produce this engine for, you know, the road going models, but if they just took that motorcycle and made it street legal, whatever they had to do, but kept that appearance exactly as it is and, and just put a motor in it that was, um, you know, good for the consumers, but the, also the, not that got motor. Six,
2: what is it, the The 60 or whatever the.
1: Yeah. But it's, eight, it's eight, not nine. this though. Yeah. No, you I mean, know.
2: But what I'm saying is they could take that motor and kind of put it right. in the. In one of these type of chassis or something similar. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. They'd sell uh, the hell out of them.
1: Like, well, Indian and, and Harley Davidson, both, they've just like always missed the bandwagon on the popular things like, you know, currently Harley Davidson and I really like it a lot, the Roadster. Um, but if they built something like that, you know, 10 years ago and cafe stuff was really kind of becoming popular, it probably could have done really, really well with it. Um, but they've just kind of always been behind. And but if Indian took this motorcycle or any other American V twin manufacturer and just built it like that, boy, I would be really excited. I would actually consider buying something like that, even, even if it if, had a Harley or an Indian motor. I say, and
2: that at if they could literally, to me, sell that at ten to twelve grand, and they they couldn't probably couldn't keep them in stock. Oh, I'm you sure know? they'd sell every yeah, one of them it, at that price.
0: And Quite honestly, Polaris is one of the few companies that I think is savvy and can react quick enough to capitalize on that. You know, it's kind of like Honda came out with the Fury chopper way after the whole chopper thing was already (laughs) fading. And I think if anybody could come out with that, it would
1: be Indian. Yeah, Mm yeah. Well, and it reminds me. And speaking of that, uh, well, maybe talk about the Harley and the Davidson show that was just on. But Indian right now, it's it's good because they're back into racing, and he and that's a lot of times how new models progress and technology progresses and everything else. So I'm excited to see a race bike like this. And if they were smart, it would. And they're trying to reinvent their company. If they could just produce something uh, very similar to this for the market for people to buy. But I mean, Oh, I would just be so excited. But at any rate, did you guys happen to watch the three part series, Harley and the Davidsons Uh, over the past few nights?
0: No, I I would be watching it just to see the replica board track bikes that they built for it, which are legitimately cool. But yeah, I had such low hopes for it. I couldn't, I couldn't burn three nights Yeah, and last night was my league's fantasy draft, so (laughs) I would have had to find another opportunity to watch it anyways. That's that's what I'm pushing up.
1: I'm pushing up my air glasses right now up my nose. (laughs) 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 It was really uh, dramatized in Harley's favor, and it's very obvious that Harley spent a lot of money through either sponsorship or production or whatever else. You know, it really made Indian out to be the devil and everything that was wrong was Indian and Harley was just this patriotic American company that could do no wrong. And And so there's definitely Harley money sprinkled (laughs) over all of it. Well, of course. Um, But so if you get past all that, it was it was well done and it was it was more interesting than some of the other shows that were on, like Gas Monkey Garage or whatever else. Um, so I was entertained. I liked watching it. Um, and it was, like you said, Pete, it was cool to see the old, uh, recreation motorcycles and, and all that. But, um, you really had to look past all of the Harley money, uh, that was sprinkled over everything. So
0: it was um, somebody from South Africa built all those bikes and yeah. uh, really kind of did a mix of modern technology that you, you know, modern carburetors and ignitions and stuff with as much of the old style chassis and looks as they needed to really recreate them and, uh, made a whole bunch of them. They made like 30 bikes for that or something, you know, because wow, they had really? to have hero shots and stunt bikes and various different models and stuff. It was really this guy did, uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't do, I didn't know where to come up with this. So I didn't do any research, but, uh, can't think of the guy. Look online, you can find it, but he, uh, he really went to great lengths to recreate the actual historical bikes. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I think it was the Indian had the, the, the cylinder slope backwards as part of the seat tube. So, you know, stuff like that, that they actually tried to be historically accurate with the looks, even though they weren't necessarily historically accurate with the story. So. Yeah. Well,
2: they they obviously had a budget, that, a really good budget then, because they just did some quick math here. And so that just, if they built 30 bikes, that's somewhere between roughly $1.2 and $1.7 million just for the bikes.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder I, how many of those bikes we will see showing up in other productions, movies and TV in the coming oh, years. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, I'm, they, I, I'm guessing quite a bit. Yeah. Those, uh, those They'll make their money back on it. Yeah, I wonder if Harley owns those bikes if they paid for them or if the production did. I think Discovery I
0: Channel Discovery Channel owns the bikes. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll be using them again.
0: <laughs> well, well uh, speaking of old bikes, tomorrow morning, now this is this is Thursday the 8th, uh Mike Harper's motorcycle collection will be auctioned off by Jay Wood auctioning. And unless you live in Kansas City or, uh, are a Moto Guzzi enthusiast, you probably don't know who that is, but Harper's Moto Guzzi has been one of the oldest continuously run, uh, Guzzi dealerships in the United States. And Mike is the original old guy that ran it. And he's, uh, decided to sell off his collection and his collection is Incredible, but it's all bikes that are in various condition. There's not, it, it's not like <laughs> going to the barber museum. This is just some guy who had a barn full of bikes. So they're all in very, I don't think most of them are running. Uh, all of them would need some attention to be considered in good shape. And some of them, I mean, he literally had like, you know, bare frames. So it was everything, some of them really rusty. Just this afternoon, I paid 10 bucks to get in, and I was there for about 40 minutes. And quite honestly, I was totally torn between, okay, I'm done, I want to leave, and do I dare get a bitter number and come back tomorrow? Because I would love to know what some of these things are going to go for. Because there were bikes that I have literally never seen in the flesh before. There were a couple bikes I didn't know existed. That How many bikes I, were there? Um three big circus tents of bikes. And just truly uh impressive assortment of stuff. And I kind of went from one extreme to the other and finally decided no way, because if something started going cheap, <laughs> I would hold up. I would I would hold that paddle up, and quite honestly, there were Big, like the big provost and bluebird buses turned into RVs parked there already Mm. for tomorrow with big trailers behind them. And I thought, you know what? No matter how much I want one of these, somebody who has scads more money than I do is going to be able to bid on these and spend more than I would and would have an equal amount of passion. The good news is there were Noble Tacos. So that kind of let me off the hook. <laughs> uh-huh. But some bikes that I have wanted my whole life but have never seen in the flesh were there. A uh Di Tommaso-era 254 Benelli, the Moto Guzzi badge engineered version. I have never seen a 254 in my life, and Ooh. they had one there. Now, it wasn't in great shape. It's not running, missing the air box, but I was like, Oh, that has always been one of my favorite motorcycles. I, in fact, enough so that years ago I ordered the parts book for it from Cosmopolitan Motors before <laughs> Cosmopolitan <laughs> went out of business, and I still have it on my shelf. And I'm like, okay, no, there was enough guys talking about that bike. That's going to go for some serious money. Yeah. Um, oh. Well. But there, they, he said, we're going to go fast. It starts at 10 o'clock Central Time tomorrow morning, and he's like, we're going to go through these fast. And I was like one of those that'd be fascinating. I was like, stay away.
2: <laughs> you are
0: only going to get yourself in serious trouble if you do this. And uh an MZ, the a 350 BK two stroke opposed twin. I was like, oh wow, this is one of the bikes I have always found to be one of the coolest. What else was there? Uh a new Falcone Several of the old, uh, baloney slicer falcones, a bunch of 125 motogutsis, a bunch of, I mean, V-twin motogutsis all over the place. Um, uh, there's mechani- a
2: nice V7 parked behind that, uh, MZ right there.
0: Right. Oh, what a, you know, uh, mechanical mule three wheel. And then other stuff like, uh, a Marusho. I was like, whoa, that was cool. Um, a, BSA Starlight moped, um, uh, old matchlesses, uh, a a Italjet trials bike, uh, Rokon, you know, a a bunch of old Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki sixties twins, a Bianchi thumper, uh, the not the not the sloper, but the smaller Panther model was there, you know, from the probably thirties. Uh, but they all need work. Now they did have a Jalera 202, which I had a Jalera 202 that was really, uh, well, I'll just say I never got it running, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, very cool bikes. I'm probably going to do a Huniverse article after the, after the auction and include a bunch of these pictures and put them out on Hooniverse as a, as a separate post. So I won't put them in this, but I'll link to it whenever this goes live, but an impressive collection. But when I thought about it, I thought, you know what, this is just going to get me into trouble. Any one of these, <laughs> you could spend a bazillion dollars chasing parts for and not have a running motorcycle. I have two projects now two fairly affordable projects that are taking me years I would end up in a bidding war with somebody who had more money than I did, and either leave disappointed because I didn't get it, or leave really disappointed that I got it, and look and go, "What the heck was I thinking?" I've got an and I'm MZ. Also... I've got an MZ two-stroke twin. What
1: the hell am I gonna do with this now? So I'm also getting the impression over the past few weeks that you're itching for something new. It just—I get the feeling with. Uh, You're talking about getting something with your wife, you know, something to, uh, brush up on the two wheels. And I just get the feeling that you just want to get something new in your garage.
0: And I don't (laughs) need something that will not run for the rest of my life. I need to go out and get that so-called Corolla of motorcycling that I just go out and ride and don't have to worry about. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like you're not going to find it at this auction.
0: No. And, and this was really. It was worth the 10 bucks to go walk around and see, yeah.
1: oh, here's a lineup of, like,
0: five different Zundap two-strokes. Wow, that's yeah. cool. But in the end, it was like, you know what? There's a reason that he's selling all this stuff, and there's a reason that guys who have enough money to have a bus-size RV are the ones that are going to be here bidding on it. So yeah. uh it was interesting, and that's it. <laughs> Uh, you want to just wrap it up, and we will make our plugs and say goodbye. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Facebook.com slash Uh Twitter, at TheFalseNeutral.
1: Yeah. Uh, yep, and I, uh, I've thrown some pictures on here pretty recently. Got some free time, and I went on the ride up to the cabin. So uh, if you want to see the Supermoto that I recently crashed, take a look at our Twitter page, and you can see it.
0: You didn't crash it. You 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 just scuffed it up a little.
1: Tell that to the road rash on my body. I should throw a <laughs> picture of that on there too. Well you scuffed Hold
0: yourself lunch. up, but that has nothing to do with how badly you wrecked the bike.
1: No. Luckily luckily, as I said in the last week's podcast, it slid on the best parts that it could slide on and didn't damage my beautiful new graphics with the chrome that Pete loves so much. Did you? You can't even really see the chrome on it. No, no, I think it's,
0: I I think it looks neat. It's definitely different than I was expecting when I was going, oh no, what's this going to be? So. (laughs) Okay. And uh, check out all the other podcasts in the Hooniverse Podcast Network Camden Tub, DFL, Hooniverse Podcast, and we will be back next week. All right. Later. Okay. Have Have a good one.